Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Today, I have special guest Dr. Jaquish on the line. He is the man behind the X3 bar that you may have seen at certain conferences, online, on social. It's basically this cool little resistant band bar setup with an Olympic bar grip and a floor plate. I've been super curious to try them. Um, I have not tried them before, but I'm I'm going to after this conversation. Uh, this guy is an interesting character. He's got some controversial thoughts. He's going to say some things that are probably going to rub some people the wrong way, especially if those people are coming from a traditional, you know, training bodybuilding background. However, I consider myself pretty open-minded, and I feel like give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'll try his product, see what I think. That said. See what you think for your own self. See what you like, what he's saying. Give the bar a try. Without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with Dr. Jaquish. And we're live. John, how are you, man? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully well, sir. Wonderfully well. I'm excited to get you on today because I've met you before in passing at a conference. I've used your X3 bar, and I'd love to just kind of get some backstory as to what brought that invention to the market, like how that even come to be, and what got you into fitness in the first place. Let me kind of dive down the rabbit hole there. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Robert, for having me. This is great. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, what got me into, well, the funny thing is I don't see myself as part of the fitness industry. I, I don't really see an industry at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a bunch of trash products that don't work, uh, false claims, nonsense, uh, uh, total lack of understanding of science. Uh, even like, you know, car- the fact that cardio is still prescribed for weight loss. There's been 40 years of research that says that's probably one of the worst things you could do. Mm-hmm. Yet people still keep doing it because I guess gyms, they, they think people want treadmills, so they get treadmills. <laughs> Ain't no telling, man. Yeah. yeah. It's just they'll buy what the people think they want. Even if the people are wrong, it doesn't matter. They don't see their job as educating anybody. It's just they sell memberships. That's what they do. And beyond that, you don't even need to show up. Mm-hmm. I agree. Less. In fact, they'd rather you don't show up because then they can sell more memberships. Doesn't wear on the equipment then if you don't show up either. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh, so I'm from the medical device industry, and I developed a medical device to treat bone loss. In uh, what I discovered in the development and clinical trials of that medical device was that human beings are a lot more powerful in specific ranges of motion than in other ranges of motion. Mm-hmm. So like if you get in a position where you normally absorb high, high impact force or higher impact force, like you go to trip and fall and you put your hands out in front of you, the back of your hand is in line with the clavicle. There's a 120 degree angle between upper and lower arm there you can absorb or produce the greatest amount of force seven times greater than what you would lift and there's always been a difference notice between eccentric and concentric Mm -hmm. sort of like you can lower more weight than you can raise Uh, um i mean all living creatures are like that but um that's kind of irrelevant compared to what we can do with different ranges of motion 
because that number is a sevenfold difference. And so once I understood that, I thought, wow, like weightlifting is a terrible stimulus for, uh, for growing muscle. Like, cause you have seven times the capability, but you're going to pick whatever weight you can handle in the weakest range of motion, mm-hmm. which by definition is really only training you in that weakest range of motion where also coincidentally you're receiving the most joint damage. So, and I'm going to quote Peter Atia here, brilliant guy, uh, weightlifting overloads joints and underloads muscle. And I solved that problem. And so uh, that, that's, that's where, that's where the X3 really came from because I was the first guy to really document what the difference was. So like I had that information and I knew that that information showed uh, something very different than other fitness type uh, studies had gone. And in fact, if you look at most sports performance studies, it's like one type of bench pressing versus another type of bench pressing. It's like no one has ever really challenged the concept of weightlifting altogether, like moving a static weight through space. Like who said that was right? That's just been gospel for a long time, and it should never have been. Well, and you, so, so I wrote the book, Weightlifting is a Waste of Time, which is a, a number one bestseller in a whole bunch of different categories. It's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Uh, has a thousand reviews on Amazon. Uh, everybody should check that out. So I, I documented the hell out of the science. And, uh, and then what I, the reason we met at a conference was – because once I, I launched this product and I realized I had the absolute ultimate muscular stimulus device, which was super cheap and would fit in a backpack, like you just, you, somebody could give me access to the Olympic Training Center for free and I'd say, I'll never go because everything there is garbage next to what I have. Uh, and again, like I can put in a backpack or even in a drawer at my, at my house. So, um, but I realized I needed to get encourage people to have the most optimized nutrition. Otherwise, they wouldn't get results out of it. Mm-hmm. So and that, that's why I, I like the keto community, because these are the people who are on the right track. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you're if you think you need carbohydrates, like like I can disprove the carbohydrates are even a macronutrient at all. Uh, I, and I lay it out very in, 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 in just stark detail in the book. Uh, oh man, you got to shed like, some light on that. Like how them? so? Say it again. You got to shed some light on that. You got me curious now. Yeah. Uh, the, the amount of carbohydrates needed, uh, to survive and have every organ function perfectly is zero. There's absolutely no need for any carbohydrates whatsoever. Uh, micronutrients. I my, did an Instagram post uh, late last night where I explained how if you were to eat whole foods, not concentrated, you know, nut butters or whatever, but just fruits, vegetables, meats, whatever, how many calories would you need to get to re- the recommended daily allowances described by the American Medical Association? Take a guess. They're, they're predicting what was like 2K or something like that calories. For most people, no. The the AMA tells you to eat two thousand calories a day, and never more. But if you were to eat whole foods to get to your vitamins, you'd need to take in twenty seven thousand calories a day. Now, obviously, no one ever did that. A, rhin- a rhinoceros doesn't even do that. Yeah, it's 
quite a lot. So that tells you that, first of all, the, the recommended daily allowances of vitamins were collected by expert opinion in the 1950s. So not even a study. They just took a poll from doctors and they just pulled a number out of the air. So now that you know you need 27,000 calories unless you have processed products, which we all know we should avoid for other reasons, well, then the recommended vitamin intakes are a joke. Don't pay attention to them. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't typically spend much time looking at that part of the label. I focus more on how I feel and perform overall. And it's mm-hmm. definitely not consuming 2,700 calories or 27,000 calories, rather. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The whole recommendation is just a joke. So I want to, I want to back up a little further, man. When, when you, were, were you using like traditional training methods before you developed this? Like, were you, would you go into a gym and then just train using the tradi- traditional barbells, dumbbells and just, yeah, that's, get frustrated just, that's or, all I had and for 20 years. I probably put on five pounds of muscle and, uh, maybe 25 pounds of body fat. And what got you started looking for, I mean, was it just your introduction to the medical device sales that, that got you looking for a better alternative or were you playing around with things in your garage or something or what was the catalyst there? Oh, I didn't do sales. I invented the medical device. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's called Osteostrong. Uh, yeah, I, I have all the patents on that. So I invented it to treat my mother's osteoporosis and then I went and invented uh, X3 uh, for sports, really like kind of sports performance, muscularity uh, kind of target market. How, how did but, the, uh, the bone strengthening, what, what was the, the mechanics behind that? So it was emulating high impact. When, when I look at who has the most powerful bone, it's gymnasts because of the rate at which they hit the ground. Mm. Uh, they, they sometimes get 10 times their body weight. Well, a weightlifter, most weightlifters can't even do two times their body weight. I mean, maybe on a leg press, but we all know that 45% of the weight is going into the ground and not on their body. Yeah. I love yeah. these guys who stack a thousand pounds on the leg press and they think they're actually moving that. I mean, it's like when I push my car, my car weighs 3,300 pounds. That doesn't mean I can bench press 3,300 pounds. Right. Yeah. So, but that, the, I mean, people who say things like that are just beyond stupid. So there's no, no point in paying attention, <laughs> what, which what, is, yeah, I mean, that's the, that, if you want to say fitness industry, it's kind of the sideways hat clowns who post videos like that and, and think they're strong. What is the, uh, the, the mechanism of the device? Like it, it, if it impacts or if it's dictated by, you know, bone stress, uh, you know, impact bone structure. stress based on axial compression. So the axis of a bone, the, the length. So you press on a bone from one end to the other and you distort the shape and length of the bone for a very brief period of time, around five seconds. Uh, it actually doesn't feel like a brief period of time because you're putting incredible forces to the body. And then uh, once the compression is released, the bone springs back into its natural position, but the bone matrix has been stimulated so that it starts to uptake minerals and build more structure, more little walls, you know, like the cross section of a bone looks like a honeycomb. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a more intricate honeycomb, the more of this axial compression that is uh, put through the bone. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So it's basically like a compressive device that you can just position over whatever bone it is that you're trying to strengthen at a time? Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. What about the X3 bar? What was the what was the aha moment with that that kind of led you down that path? Yeah, that was that was when I had the medical device developed and I I looked at deconditioned people putting thousands of pounds through the body. And you know, they're just now they, they weren't deconditioned after they got to the point they could put thousands of pounds, but these are people who have never engaged in any type of fitness, postmenopausal population, and some of them are putting a thousand pounds through their hip joint. Mm-hmm. And so I look at that and I think, okay, impact ranges of motion. We can handle so much more. And I had the proof of that. And I realized I'm the only guy in the world that has this information. I got to capitalize on this. And so I started filing patents around uh, just a, a really simple, elegant design. It's a bar. It's a, a second ground you stand on the ground plate so you don't twist your wrists or ankles because if you try and do like a like when people say oh you still working out with bands and i'm like i don't know what the hell you're talking about because a band by itself that is of x3 weight will break your wrists and ankles or you just won't be able to complete a movement like when i do a deadlift it's over 600 pounds so these bands are not the important part it's the it's the equipment. It's the it's the Olympic bar that has full rotation in it, and then it's the second ground you stand on that allows the banding to move and flex on its own without putting torsion into the smaller joints of the body. Gotcha. How how would you compare traditional you know dumbbells, barbells, uh, cables, things of that nature to traditional resistance bands in the sense of the word, just the bands by themselves, not counting your Olympic bar and the ground plate. Like if you were just to compare those two, what would you, what would you say is the winner? You working out with just bands? Yeah. Just bands versus just traditional movements. Oh, worthless. Uh, you can't get a workout with, because the problem is when you try and work out with bands, um, you're either going so light, you're not stimulating any growth because there's no getting away from heavy. Like you have to put incredibly heavy loads through the body. Like my chest press is 540 pounds and I might hit that 25 repetitions. Uh, no, it's that weight at the top of the movement in the impact ready range in the midpoint mm-hmm. it might be 300 and at the bottom, it's only a hundred. And so I will fatigue based on diminishing the range. So so first I do however many full repetitions I can do until I can't do that anymore. I cannot tolerate the high force at the peak. Then I do half repetitions. Then I do like one third repetitions until I'm completely exhausted. So it's that's, kind of like, like, a, like drop sets in a sense of doing the negative movement in the drop set pattern with like partial rep ranges. Yeah, the problem with the drop set is you rest in between and you let you let the the glycogen begin to reset itself, so you never really have sarcoplasmic growth. So you're denying, and then you also don't have hypoxia either. So you like two thirds of your growth potential when you're doing a drop set, you just throw away. I, I detail that in the book too. So um, have you had a hard time kind of bridging the gap between people? 
that are looking for you know the next innovation when it comes to training and just you know stuck on traditional mindset like do they look at at your x3 bar and, and not give it the time of day or how's that been it really depends on the people if they're part of like a weightlifting community they tend to think they have all the answers mm-hmm. uh even though i mean I've, I've talked to guys who i looked at five years of their pictures and i see absolutely no difference in their physique at all no difference in their lifts at all yet for five years they'll continue to do the same thing expecting something different to happen all of a sudden and I'll, and I won't be mean enough to point that out. Like, I won't be like, hey, like, you know, my girlfriend warms up with your max. Like, I, I won't say something like that. Uh, but it, it, I just point out, like, what, what results have you seen? And they don't really know where to go with that because I think they're thinking what I'm pointing out. But I want to be polite to all these people. Like, I don't – I'm not going to get anywhere by beating up on anyone, but – it's a controversial message, and um, here, Dr. Baker, I'm sure you probably had Dr. Baker on your show, right? Yeah, yeah. So he he really likes the name of the book. He likes weightlifting as a waste of time because he said, yeah, you could have called it like the variable resistance method or something like that, and you would have sold a couple hundred, mostly to your existing fans, and it wouldn't have been a bestseller or anything like that. But when you say weightlifting is a waste of time – and keep in mind, this guy's a world record weightlifter, and he's a user of X3, so he gets it. And he even endorsed the book. Like you can, you can look on Amazon, and one of the endorsements is from him. Uh, he says, like, he says, I, I called it the carnivore diet. I could have called it the zero carb diet, but I wanted to be more aggressive. I wanted to get more attention, and so that's that's part of of what I'm doing now. Notice I didn't say resistance training is a waste of time because mm-hmm. I certainly do that. Right. Right. But I just do it in a much more intelligent way so that I stimulate outrageously more growth. And I also point out in the book, a number of different studies that look at what the differences of the general gym going population is. Fitness is the most failed human endeavor. Like most people see no results at all. I think, I think 17% of people who lift weights see absolutely no mu- muscle protein synthesis ever. Yeah, it's just because okay. of lack of, lack of proper form, lack of intensity. Or maybe disadvantageous tendon layout. Yeah. Can't do much about that. Well, I mean, you can because X3 completely takes that out of the equation. But like some people have a tendon insertion, like in their pectoral, that's at the top of their humerus bone. And they won't make much progress lifting weights. They will with X3, but none lifting weights. And this is, this is most people have that kind of attachment. Or they'll have very little growth. Or somebody like Mike Tyson, who has a tendon insertion point at base of the humerus, like, or no, I shouldn't say the base, the end, like closer to the elbow, mm-hmm. that is someone who can build strength in their pectorals very easily, which is why Mike Tyson can be three or four inches from someone's face and hit them with almost full power. That's his strategy. He ducks inside the box mm-hmm. where his opponent can't hit him, but Mike can do almost 100% damage in that, in that range. 
And this is the biggest genetic difference. Like, you know how many people have been disqualified from sports because they had abnormally high testosterone? Mm-hmm. You do know or you don't? Yeah, I mean, I, I compete in natural bodybuilding, so there's a lot of a lot of talk of testosterone, what's natural levels, what's at, you know, abnormal right, there's, levels. There's only one athlete in the world ever that has been disqualified for having such a high natural level. Who's that? Uh, it's some woman from Africa. Yeah, she's, she had like 1,200 nanograms of the desolator, and she's female. And like she, there was no drugs involved. Like they actually like measured her, her, uh, her blood levels for a consistent period of time, and they're like, it's not fair to let you compete. But like when you, when you hear these uh, internet commenter clowns say like, oh, genetics, like, it's like, what do you mean genetics? You sure you know what you're talking about? What, what about genetics? Is it hormones? Like I've, I've hardly ever heard anybody say tendon attachment points, but that's the real genetic difference. And it's well-documented and I lay it out in the book really clearly. Uh, but people don't know this mostly because there's nothing they can, or, but until now there was nothing they could do about it. So why talk about it? So just to kind of play devil's advocate, what about the, I mean, there's been several, several successful athletes that have seen, amazing progress using traditional methods is that all due to just their tendon attachment points uh primarily yeah and you're probably gonna have a hard time there may be some other things going on uh they may have uh lower myostatin production they may have uh my point is they they don't have big hormonal variances so Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people think well you know the guy probably just makes a ton of testosterone that's not a thing that's that's really uh, not a big difference. You can have deficiency, but most athletes are around a thousand nanograms to the deciliter. So, what is what does your training look like currently? You haven't li- you haven't used a dumbbell or barbell in several years now, correct? No, I would have never used dumbbells because um, when you use your upper body, like think about it logically. Like oh, oh, here, here, here's a question. The strongest athletes in the world, what do they train with? Dumbbells or barbells? Like powerlifters using the barbells. Right. And they don't use dumbbells because dumbbells, don't, they're, they're very bad at stimulating growth. Uh, your central nervous system, if you go to pick something heavy up, you're going to use both hands. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, it's just not what the human body does. Now, the lower body is different. You're actually better off by stimulating one leg at a time because unless you're a kangaroo, you walk or run on one leg at a time. We don't hop around. One leg at a time is what we do. But in the upper body, we use two hands when we have to deal with anything heavy. So that's why the people who train with barbells are far stronger than the people who train with dumbbells. So, uh, I would never touch a dumbbell. Um, I mean, maybe just to prop the door open. That's, what What about the? Is there a differentiation between, you know, strength obviously being one goal versus just a primary focus being hypertrophy? So, like the classic, you know, powerlifter versus bodybuilder debate. Is there one better than the other in that department? From a how you train strategy, like is it more efficient to build muscle with a dumbbell, more of a unilateral movement? No, dumbbells just activate far less muscle. So you're getting far less growth, far less activation, far less of an exercise. 
uh, I know, like, you know, I tell people are like, oh, yeah, kettlebells are really, you know, where it's at. And I'm like, well, really? Are you sure? Because why don't strong people bother with those? Like, now, they might not know how to explain it scientifically like I do, but that's just not what the body does. You would use both hands. So it's just, and the, the research uh, shows us 20% less activation of the entire muscle. So talk so. to me about, about your X3 bar then from, from a power lifting, bodybuilding standpoint, like would somebody be able to have the, the muscle tie-ins, the hypertrophy, the strength, if they trained exclusively with that, like would, would. Yeah. And that's what we see with uh, about 20 NFL players. 40 NBA players and I have a whole like athlete wall on, uh, on the website. So there's maybe 50 altogether professional athletes using the product, which is huge because uh, most home products get like one or two people they pay. I don't pay a single athlete. I give them my free advice. That's it. They're allowed to call me. They have my, they actually have my direct line. So uh, and that's that's the exchange. I say, let me let me put your picture on my website, and you can have access to me. So, uh, and I help them, and all of them tell me they're stronger than they've ever been. Uh, you know, m- most NFL players never get stronger after they sign their contract because when they sign that NFL contract, they're told they're never allowed to get injured, and if they get injured training, it's their fault. They have to know their limits. Hmm. So, like. Most of them don't even train to fatigue. They certainly wouldn't do something stupid like a one rep maximum, which, by the way, nobody should be doing. Uh, but they they just stop training heavy completely. And so X3 gives them an opportunity to train heavy, heavier than they've ever trained, with more repetitions, with more growth stimulus, and they get the opportunity to grow the thickness of tendons and ligaments. Uh, which is ha- you know, not that's like not seen uh, very readily with regular weight training. So their joints feel better, stronger. They get a lot leaner because uh, of the st- stabilization effect. Uh, uh, there's a meta analysis that my co-author and I, Henry Henry Alkire, uh, wrote in 2016, and what that shows is that stabilization firing plus load can move your growth hormone past 2,600% above baseline. So when you do that, now growth hormone is not anabolic. It's anti-catabolic and it will, uh, it will speed up lipolysis. So people start getting leaner and preserve their strength and of course grow because the heaviness activates more because uh, you're training a lot heavier it activates more testosterone receptors so there's just the testosterone they have in their body naturally in their body is used uh in the musculature more so than any other type of athlete who's training with regular weights so they're stronger they're leaner they're faster their joints feel better and uh they don't go back so so break down like a like a like your training split or just a really good optimized training split using exclusively the X3 bar? Like are you doing it? Because one, one of the big selling points is that it's it's just a big time saver, right? So you're not spending an hour and a half in there with the bar. 
you're, you're yeah. doing very short, efficient workouts. Like, are you doing multiple body parts in a given workout, or how is that structured typically? Yeah, we do a push-pull split, and you do it every other day, so six days a week training. But it takes about 10 minutes. I didn't design it to save time. So you know, when, when somebody says, like, oh, my favorite part is my workout's done in 10 minutes, it's like, yeah, that's true. It's also the hardest workout of your life. Like, I, I never tell anybody it's easy. Yeah. You feel like you were hit by a train after you finish one of these sessions. It's just over very quickly. It's four sets each workout. Four sets. And, and just kind of explain that, like, talk about the, you know, the, the, the shorter range of motion as you fatigue. So, like, for instance, let's say, like, you can do squats, deadlifts, curls, press. I mean, you can pretty much do all the movements with this setup, right? Yeah. Everything. So what yeah, what is a tip like if I'm doing deadlifts for instance how how would you structure that? So with a push pull uh, split, so deadlifts would be on like a pulling day. It'd be like deadlifts. Uh, we do do calf raises on that day because you get a lot of calves with the deadlifts, so you won't put those together. And then we do a bent row and a curl. And, and each is getting four sets. Pull. Each movement. You say it again. Each movement's getting four sets. No, each movement gets one set. Never do more than one set. Gotcha, gotcha. Way too much. Because you go to such a deeper level of exhaustion. And with those sets, that's when you're doing like the, you know, basically going to fatigue at the full range, then you do the mid-range and that low range. Correct. So one set may be, you know, 20 reps, for instance, um, but it's it's a, just an increasing uh, level of fatigue as the set gets longer and longer. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm curious, man. I'm going to have to give this thing a try. I'm, I'm a big advocate for one of my former employees. Was He trained exclusively with resistance bands and, and body weight movements. That's all he's done for the past 11 years. And then when he interviewed with me, I had him do deadlifts, and he was ripping 405 off the ground like he'd been doing it for years. So that was kind of my first eye-opening moment to you know the effectiveness of, of resistance bands. Uh, but I've never really used the X3 bar to any extent, but I've I've got several clients that are big fans of it, so I'm, I'm curious to give it a try, man. Nice. Yeah, I, you'll enjoy it. Uh, it is it is the easiest way to get an incredibly heavy workout, and, and uh, well, I shouldn't use the word easy. It's not easy. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's the most injury-free way. Yeah. And, uh, it, like, unless... When I talk to younger athletes, I mean, I'm talking 18, 19, 20, they never think they're going to get injured. And so that's not really my target market. Like when I talk about injury prevention, they like roll their eyes. They're like, yeah, I'm so badass. I'm never going to get injured. Like, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, have a nice day. Because uh, they'll be back. Um, our tar- So what, what we actually did was a first – launched a product and was talking to fitness industry people who like, they just can't get out of their head. Like the ultimate program is an ultimate program with weights. And when I say, no, you got to take a step back further and you'll see just how inefficient and ineffective weight training is because you're not designed to handle the same level of power. Look at, look at sprinting. Sprinting is one of the most, one of the most efficient things we do. We only use seven degrees of flexion behind our knee why we have 120 degrees available why do we only use seven now we all do this naturally so nobody really stops to think about it but there's academic research on it 
That's where we're powerful, just in seven degrees. Mm -hmm. So why don't we approach everything like that? Sprinting is very efficient. Why do we try and go as inefficient as possible when we lift weights? Because it's literally the least efficient thing you could do to stimulate the body. So do you, speaking of running, do you do anything for cardio, like more cardiovascular strength and conditioning outside of the bar? Uh, there's over 100 studies, and uh, most of which I cite in the book, uh, that show that strength training is actually gives you a, an equal or better cardiovascular stimulus. So cardiovascular health is higher in weight training athletes than it is in actual cardio athletes. And my, my position is there's really no such thing as cardio. Cardio is just really shitty strength training that doesn't stimulate any strength. Um, and the reason I can say this is because of those hundred studies but also the, the big myth came from somewhere where I understand why people misunderstood. So like I weigh 240 pounds and uh, when I'm at the Munich airport, I have like, I don't even remember the Munich airport, but it's like in your changing planes, like I, I go to Moscow. I used to go to Moscow very frequently. So you fly in Munich, you got to go through customs there and then you got to go through the Russian checkpoint and then you can you can you grab your bags and then recheck your bags. And so it's like you go up and down the stairs like six times. I do not know why they designed this airport where you're just sprinting up and down stairs to get to your flight. So I'm with a guy who usually who I used to used to travel with who weighs about a hundred pounds less than I do. And uh, so he's a like a, like a runner. He weighs 140 pounds and I'm 240 pounds. And what happens is that I'm out of breath by the time we board the flight to Moscow. And he's like, oh man, your cardio is terrible. And I said, no, my quadriceps are just five times bigger than yours are. And they draw a lot more blood. So I, ha I have had to have my heart push more blood into my legs because I'm built for speed, for power, for instantaneous uh, uh, power availability, whereas you're not. And so the size of the musculature has so much to do with how hard the heart has to pump. But from a cardiovascular health perspective, I may be equal or better than you. Because yeah. the goal is not to be able to run 20 plus miles, the goal is to live a long time. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. That's a good point. I'm, I'm definitely an advocate for being able to pick up and run five miles without it killing you. I think that's that's important for anybody to be able to do, sure. but it, it makes sense for sure. What Absolutely. about... Absolutely. But, but you know, for a strong guy, you take a 250-pound lineman and you say, let's go run five miles, you know, he's going to be like... Can I get an Uber for the last four? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, he doesn't style. want to do that because that's not what his body has been trained to do. Yeah. Totally. But it doesn't matter. What about uh, like with this year and like COVID, obviously, and all the gyms being closed, then I would have to imagine that's had a massive, in like resulted in a massive increase in just, you know, interest and traffic towards your site and sales of the bar because it's just people looking for options outside the norm right now. 
you know, I would way rather live in a world where we were not scared of something that kills less people than the flu. Uh, but unfortunately, we live in the world we live in, and uh, fear is a new currency. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, this year has been great, as unhappy as I am about it. Have you have you gotten a lot more of like just hardcore believers because they've they've started using your your bar? Yeah, as the it's norm? like people who would normally like just use X three for traveling. It's it's a hundred percent of their workout, and they're like, I put on more muscle. I, I hear this all the time. I put on more muscle in six months than I have in the past ten years with weights. I I, I probably have received over a thousand emails to say exactly that. You get a lot of people that that use your product for several months and then go to see how that strength correlates to traditional, you know, barbell movements and notice that their their maxes have all increased or is it does it does it not translate very well? I would assume it has a pretty good correlation there. No, it it translates very well. I will say though <clears throat> uh a, like weightlifting movements, traditional weightlifting movements do have uh, a skill involved. Yeah. Like you can take someone who's strong, like, you know, they say like farm boy strong and then put them on a bench press and they're strong. They can pick up a lot of weight, but they're wild. They're all over the place. Yeah. They don't have a lot of control over the bar. So you got to remember a bench press is like swinging a golf club or throwing a baseball. Like there's a skill that you need to stay proficient with. So if you're a competitive weightlifter and you take, you know, six months and you say, I'm, I'm going to just focus on, x3 to really build up some muscularity and some power and then and then come back to weights before the competition give yourself a few weeks to get the skill back because if you if you try one time you you won't be as good at the skill yeah that makes sense rusty yeah so there's there's a there's a neuromuscular component to that so for the people probably a lot like myself that are going to have a hard time just stopping all traditional lifting cold turkey would you recommend like using the X3 bar on, on their off days from the, the typical lifting or doing it before normal training or yeah, after? You're never recovering. Yeah. Yeah. So don't do that. I would just say, you know, one day a week, go back and, and do your lifts. And then the rest of the other five days, do X3. Like you're, you're going to get your results out of X3. And I ask people all the time, a lot of people are really worried about their, their lift numbers. And I'm like, do you compete? And they go, no. Okay, well, then what's your goal when, when you work out? Is it to be as strong and as lean as possible? Or you just want to talk about your bench press? Yeah. And, you know, they kind of laugh. They're like, yeah, well, strong and as lean as possible. I'm like, then who cares? That's like, true. It, it doesn't matter. That's true. That's true. Lifting for me is like therapy as well. So I like I like the time that it spends. So I don't know if I'd be able to get enough therapy in ten minutes of using the bar. So I have to to blend the two a little bit there. Probably a little. Yeah, I would say uh, you could. Oh God, my fans are going to kill me for saying this, but like if you like the guys who are really into lifting, use X three as your finishing set because I'll make I'll make everybody hate me with this statement. Because your regular lifts, they're not doing shit for you anyway. So you can spend your time doing that and then and then actually get a real training stimulus in the end. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it, it, it is. I, I, I'm very um, pointed with my comments. I don't mind rattling cages because I can back up my position. Yeah. Like, and it's cr- like you read the, the people who actually took the time to read the book. By the way, anybody who bitches about the, what's in the book didn't read the book. It's very obvious. Like they try and like argue with some scientific point. And it's like you, you missed every principle of basic human physiology. Like go back to high school, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you don't understand anything. And, and the people who do support it, um, most emphatically, they're like medical doctors. Like uh, my, my whole life, people have been saying, oh, medical doctors don't believe in exercise. No, it's not that they don't believe in exercise. It's that they fail to see the science. Like where's the science that justifies the squat or the bench press? Yeah. You know, I mean, just because people have been doing it and there have been scientific measures taken, let's take a step back and say, what about this whole practice? Does it make sense? An orthopedic surgeon would say no, because more injuries come out of weight training than results do. So where's the win there? Like insurance companies won't pay for you to go weight train. Why? Because they pay for more injuries as a result of weight training. They'd rather you just eat Cheetos on the couch. You will cost them less. Also, the less money you cost them, the healthier you are. It doesn't matter what, like, I see people all the time who are constantly having joint issues, but they're fit. Mm-hmm. They work out all the time, and they're like, well, I'm a fit guy. And, you know, I, they can hardly get out of a chair without tears coming to their eyes. And I'm like, really? Are you? Are you sure? Because I bet in ten years, you're gonna be stuck in a. Ch- you're gonna be like like you can have a walker. Yes, let's talk about that for a second. So let's let's compare. You know, like with traditional, you know, high bar back squats with the barbell, for instance, the strain that's happening to your your knee joints, for instance, that compared yeah. to the X three bar, because you're you're doing a, a front squat with with yeah, the X three yeah. bar, right? Not a back squat. Yeah, no, no, we should do back squats. Like like loading weight on the back of your neck. That, like, why did we ever think that was a good idea? Yeah. So from a joint standpoint. I mean, really, like, we are sagittal. We bend forward. That's how we pick stuff up. Loading stuff on the back of your neck is never anything humans did. (laughs) So (laughs) It's just not, like, at all. You should, like, when I speak at a conference and there's a bunch of fitness guys in in the audience, they're, like, shivering. They're so mad. But it's like, okay, justify it for me. Like, give me the research. This is loading things on the back of your neck is a great idea. You know, of course, the physicians in the audience are like laughing. They're like, praise the Lord. This guy's awesome. Uh, <laughs> because they, they hate that shit. That's, they, they get more patients coming in. They're like, I can't turn my head. Everything hurts. I'm depressed. I'm thinking about suicide. And then they're like, well, what hurts your neck? And they're like, well, every time I go to squat and the doctor's like, stop right there. Stop squatting. So what about the knees? Talk to me about the knees. What's happening there? Yeah. What's the difference between traditional and, and, and the X3 bar? Oh, uh, you're forced to throw your butt back more so mm-hmm. when you do a front squat. So superior positioning. Uh, but you can do that with weights too. Uh, but with X3, the weight drops off as you enter into the weaker ranges of motion. So you might only be handling your body weight plus 50 pounds at the bottom. But at the top of the squat, I might be doing my body weight plus 400 pounds. 
So on that, like I'm, I'm trying to visualize, uh, you know, the platform now, the ground plate and everything. And when you're like, if like, I like going really, really deep on my squats. Um, so like when I'm going super deep, those bands are probably not going to be taught. Right. Right. So I don't start getting resistance until I'm probably a little bit above parallel. Correct. Well, you still have your body weight. That's resistance. Right. Besides that. Uh, it, de- it depends on how tall somebody is. I mean, uh, I'm six foot, and I don't, I don't ever have zero load. Uh, I'm five seven, so you weight. get me beat there. <laughs> oh, uh, how tall are you? Five seven. Yeah, yeah. You you would. Um, there's a couple things I would have you do a little differently. There's band shorteners. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, don't worry. I got you taken care of. Cool. Because yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of people like oh, so many powerlifters are you know they're shorter guys, and uh, they needed help. And so I mean, really, all you do is you take a spacer, which is like just like a piece of pipe, and mm-hmm. you just put it in the chain by the next to the hook. And if you look at some of my stories on Instagram, I always there's always somebody that I put on my story from Instagram every day who's using a band spacer. Nice. Yeah. What if there's super tall people? Uh, 40 NBA players. Not one of them has complained. I guess that's proof uh, and Including some guys who are headed to the Hall of Fame, like Andre Drummond. Um, there's also there's a bunch of pro athletes that would not let me put their picture on the website, uh, even with my help and everything like that, because their name is just it's worth so much. Um, and I'm talking like some of the best guys in the NFL and some of the best guys in the NBA. And I understand it's their brand. They're like, no, I, I can't do that because like that would like normally I would charge somebody like, let me give you an example. There's, there's a, uh, a quarterback who may be considered the best quarterback who ever lived, who asked for 49% of the company to use, use his name and image. And I'm just like, you're you're asking for like, you know, maybe depending on how you do the valuation, like fifty million dollars. Like, no, that's a big like, ass. Like, in uh, in another year or two, more people will know X3 than they will know you. And you know, he just there's like a long silence on the phone. He's like, all right, well, I guess we we can't come to an agreement. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, can't cool guy though (laughs) he just didn't like it just i thought i thought his proposal was so unreasonable like wow like like really you thought i would go for that i i don't know but uh whatever besides um i have a stronger uh engine for building a following than any of these guys because i'm so controversial the haters do my work for me so the more people i piss off the more stupid things they say because they don't actually read what I've written because mm-hmm. they're probably not smart enough to read it. I mean, there's a reason why in fitness, the two most popular uh, web services are Instagram and YouTube pictures and videos because these clowns are illiterate. Think about it. People don't, they're not reading articles anymore. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think something to wrap your head around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the fitness industry. It's just angry, uh, uh, really, really unintelligent people. Uh, you know, that's not everybody, <laughs> of course. But uh, but these guys, the more angrier they are, the more hateful videos they make. It's great because then somebody goes, I want to see what this other this guy has to say that everybody's trashing. And then they read my book and they're like, this is genius. I'm, I'm going to buy the product and I'll buy one for my father too. So, yeah, these guys are uh, they're my useful idiots. I love well, putting them to work. I certainly don't consider myself a, a useful idiot by any means, but I will I will read I your book. I don't consider you one either. I will read your book and I will try. I'll, 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 I'll give the X3 bar an honest... Honest college try, as they say, and uh, I mean okay. I track everything, so I'll be able to have a pretty good idea as to the results of it all, um, and I'll share sure. my findings with my audience for sure. Um, but yeah, man, sure. I'm I'm always down to to try something new, mix things up a bit. Um, so yeah, I'll give this a shot. Now you are headquartered in Austin, right? Uh, no, I'm I'm just north of Austin. I'm in Arkansas. Okay. Oh, um, yeah. Anywhere near Fairhope? No, no, we're in central Arkansas, but we're moving to northwest Arkansas next year. Okay. Yeah, there's um there's an osteostrong facility. That's the medical device. Yeah. Um and they uh they do a lot with X3 there also. Nice, nice. I want to the guy who runs the Fairhope look. He has two. You ought to, you ought to check out the osteostrong website. There's two big locate big, very successful osteostrong locations in uh You said Fairhope? Arkansas. Yeah. Let me see here. There's a Fairhope, Alabama. I'm sure, it's I'm Alabama. I'm thinking Alabama. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't go to a lot of A states. I don't go to Alaska. <laughs> it's all Alaska good, man. Ball. People make that mistake yeah. all the time. People think I'm yeah, in Alaska yeah, half sure. the time. Um. Well, cool, man. I will definitely check this out. Where can people go to to find out more about the book, the bar, you? What, what's the What's the go to website? Created, I created a landing page so I didn't have to give like five handles out. It's drj.com. D o c t o r. The letter J. Com. Awesome, man. Well, I will link out to that. I certainly appreciate the conversation, the controversy, everything. You got me curious, and uh, I'm going to dive in, man. Thanks, Robert. Take care, brother.